You're a bit crackly at the moment, Brother Ben. <clears throat> it's okay, it's not too bad. I don't really know what to do about that. That's all right. Tinfoil hat might help. <laughs> <laughs> it's brainwaves. It's exactly, it's the brain activity. <laughs> Brother Benjamin's wearing a fake tinfoil hat. It's <laughs> fairy wings. It's the flying ex-Mormon. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Book of Boredom podcast. We've got a full house today. We've got Brother Benjamin. Say hi, Brother Benjamin. Here. We've got Mr. Ed. Say hi, Mr. Ed. Hello. <laughs> We've got Gigi. Say hi, Gigi. I'm alive still. Oh, that's wonderful. Your house hasn't fallen off the cliff. Not yet, but the rainy <laughs> season is about to start. Oh, dear. And we've got Devchina. Hello. Thanks for joining us all. So today we're going to listen to the Australian version of 60 Minutes, and you're going to love those fucking accents. Oh, my God. Just way more Australian than me. So <laughs> you're in for a treat. I think they also do a fake American accent when they're quoting something that Mitt Romney says. Oh, I I think I noticed that. It definitely was not Mitt Romney. It was not Mitt Romney. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. No, it was bad. And then also at the end, I'd like to discuss some of the other links that have been floating around of a similar nature, all about fraud. There was one from Canada. I saw that one. There was also a link that Ed posted that was more about the Australian barrister. So I think it was probably an earlier story. Is that right, Ed? I got about an hour into it. It's an interview about his conversion into Mormonism and his life in Mormonism. I don't know if it ever got to him being the whistleblower. But it was the same attorney that was on the 60 Minutes? He is in the CBS Canadian bit and then the Australian. Right. It seems like a lot of news agencies have been working on this story combined. It's got a bit of momentum. He definitely looks good in those robes. With the fake <laughs> curls. Yeah, that's part of the show. And the real beard. Yes, he's very dignified and that wig is part of the gear. It is. Yes. Only the barristers wear them. Right. And I think barristers are like a trial lawyer that litigate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think barristers are trial lawyers and solicitors are like contracts and wills and stuff like that. Well, I thought he came across really well. So I'd be curious to hear the rest of his story. I am seeing the trend of a number of these different news sources focusing on this issue. Kind of like in the 1990s, we started seeing the Catholic sex abuse scandals unfold in America. And because there was so much money involved to some extent with the lawyers and the news and it was very sensationalized, that was a huge thing in America. Now it's like the Mormons turn. They have deep pockets, which makes them a very big target. And isn't that the triad? Mm. Money, money sex, sex, and power. Right. And once you see the trend in one country, you're going to see that trend in others. Right. Yeah. It's like a multi-level marketing scheme. I don't know if you've got Amway in Australia. Oh, we so do. It's called Awe though, because they're not a American. <laughs> if people are interested to learn more about the barrister, that is an episode of Mormon Stories podcast by John Delin. And Patience recommends you listen to it on three times speed because that really takes a minute and a half. You get through it faster. She's right about that. Yes. Patience, look at this. So people love this. Ever since you mentioned that, I've started listening to my own pleadings, like when I'm writing legal work at a very high speed. I'd say. I think Ed got a about an hour through it, did you say, before you like, oh. Yeah, I think about an hour. 
<laughs> Where I stopped is that he subscribed to a magazine called Dialogue that was a magazine that even Dallin H. Oaks and Mormon thinkers, so to speak, were chiming in. But eventually the church said, uh, this is bad. Don't touch it. Because there were problematic issues discussed in that magazine. Problematic for the church. But the interesting part of the discussion that made me form some opinions about him is that his participation in the church as a convert was such that he was somehow able to keep away the cognitive dissonance of, oh, hey, I believe in evolution, but I also believe in Adam and Eve. Basically, he says, I never had a problem with that and many other issues. Even his conversion, John DeLynn was asking him, well, what did you think about that whole test spirit of Alma or whatever? And he said, no, that not really mattered to me. Spirit of Alma. Brother Ben, can you tell us what that means? Because I have no clue and you're our resident Mormon expert since Gigi was a bit light on. I mean, I think I know what he's talking about, but I'll let Brother Ben take it away since his penis haver in the room. <laughs> And they tell him all the important things, and I only learn how to cook and have babies. I like cooking. Those are the important things, Gigi. <laughs> all we ever talk about is how to convince your wife to keep cooking and having babies. I know. <laughs> it's harder than you might expect. There is a knack, isn't there, Brother Ben? <laughs> I'm not sure I know what that is. No, I think this is like the idea that if you don't have a testimony, it's okay. Don't worry. Go back and read a little bit more and pray again until you get it. Uh. There's a lot of people who are converts. <laughs> My dad was an attorney and he converted later on in life. And his thoughts were, there's a lot of religions. They all say crazy shit. This one is just newer. And if this is the way that you do good in the world, you can ignore the underwear. If you're bad, you know. Take a drink. You're <laughs> okay, what's the spirit of Alma, Brother Ben? I don't know what it means. Oh, I really don't either. Oh, fuck. I think it's basically the usual missionaries cell of read the Book of Mormon and see how it feels. Yeah. Oh, okay. You'll get a burning in your bosom. The burning in the bosom. Okay, that's what I was wondering. That's <laughs> what it is called. That, I mean, I think the technical term for it is the spirit of Alma. Uh, because Alma got the burning in the bosom or something. Uh, so if you pray enough and you read enough, you'll get a burning in your bosom. And if you don't, go back and do it more. Is Alma a man or a woman? Man. A man. Oh. They don't talk about women very often. That's what I thought. Alma? was a man? I did a Google search for Spirit of Almen. Yeah, what is that? Several of the results that come up top are for a thoroughbred horse. <laughs> <laughs> Alma was my grandmother's name. That's right. It's usually a woman's name. And it's Latin because they were Catholic. So Alma means soul. <laughs> Book of Mormon, never read it. I'm never mowing. Oh, Alma, like my grandma. Well, it sounds like it's not Alma like my grandma. <laughs> yeah, Joseph Smith borrowed a lot of things from other texts, I think. And he ran he out of names right around Nephi G -G. and Lehi and Ehi. Oh, my God. You know, so. <laughs> it's not from the, like, the Latin. It's from the Reformed Egyptian. Right. <laughs> Exist. <laughs> he might have a grandma named Alma too, and that's where he got it. All right, we're gonna listen to this thing now. Are you all ready for me to hit I'm play? Ready. Yes. yes. I wanna know you, show me the way. And save his soul today. So I was very upset by this music. Yes. Because this is not Mormon music. We have never had music like this. I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, why can 60 Minutes not spring for two shaved head white dudes instead of just one? Because they never go out one at a time. Uh, I think 60 Minutes is not the best investigative reporting. I like their animated Moroni, though, that they did. That was pretty cool. 
Neville Rocco has made a glittering career out of righting wrongs. No, this is not our music. Drove me crazy. That's good walk-on music for the barrister, don't get me wrong. He's walking along in slow-mo. This is like Australians trying to understand what Mormons sound like through a Southern Baptist view. Yep. <laughs> See, there you go. That right there. That is Mormon music. Ah. Organ music. Yes, I do like to play with their organs. Baptist music is way too exciting. I wouldn't want to get excited. Mormonism, also known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is a Christian faith. Div Chena says, it's not a Christian faith. We can argue about that later. He lost his faith, not just in the religion but specifically the way it managed its finances. It's a large set of corporations that have as its sideline religion. This guy has such a Colonel Sanders look, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> but he's very well put together. He has trimmed that beard and curled that moustache. <laughs> yeah, no, like, come on. When you finally have got a little bit of money to, like, curl the moustache, like, you got to do it right. He must have felt so silly just sitting there for those scenic shots. I would hate doing shit like that. You hate curling your moustache, Gigi? Mm, <laughs> I hate curling my moustache for pictures, for people. All right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Not curling that mustache. In most other Western countries, tithing is tax deductible, but not in Australia. Here, you can only claim a deduction if you give to a charity. Apparently our tax laws are more awesome or less awesome depending on your point of view. It's not like what we have here. <gasps> it's like they have to show that they're putting the money into a charity. Here you just have to be a church to be tax exempt. I don't know if you have to have a separate charity. You definitely don't. <laughs> Kudos to Australia. I think that's what this is about is like, is the money really staying in Australia? Right. Where is it going? Yeah. And is it really being spent on charity? I can tell you it's not. <laughs> Put in chat a link to the Australian government information. No other religion in Australia gets this tax <laughs> Australia. Benefit, but the Mormons have structured themselves in such a way in Australia that <laughs> ordinary donations and tithings to a church are given tax deductibility by saying that nearly all this money is spent on charity. Oh my God, Divchina, it does say on the website, full-time employees, zero. Estimated number of volunteers, seven. Look at the outlays inside Australia and outlays outside of Australia. $99 million. Their expenses are only $7,800 per year. What is that for like the one Christmas party? They all have <laughs> the seven volunteers. They don't even give them lunch. That's $1,000 a year for each volunteer for like, lunches. That's because all the sisters cook for them. Shipping the money back to Utah? Well, that's probably for paying like a lawyer or an auditor or something. You can't even do legal fees for that cheap a year, can you? According to its accounts, it's one of the biggest charities in Australia. It, it takes in more in donations than Oxfam, more than Beyond Blue, more than Caritas, the Catholic Church's international aid agency. Uh, yet it has no public presence in Australia. It seems to only exist on paper. It has no employees, no website, no office, and no expenses. Yet its income has skyrocketed since 2014, when tax rules were updated, making it much more lucrative for the church to funnel its donations through a charity. The number of Mormons in Australia in that time has not grown. If anything, it's slightly declined. Here, 
there are just 60,000 Mormons, yet together, apparently, they give $93 million a year to charity. But outside Australia, where tax deductibility for tithing isn't an issue, the church's 16 million members combined give only $25 million a year to charity. That makes Australian Mormons the most generous on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are Australians more generous than most people? They must be. So generous. Why would Australian Mormons completely buck the trend of Mormons in the United States, in Canada, in Britain, in New Zealand, and be something like 70 to 100 times more generous? It just didn't add up. Dude, you should see their asset balance sheet. They don't even talk about this on 60 Minutes, but the balance sheet of their current assets in Australia is $209 million. That means they have $209 million in like real estate, right? I'm guessing. Some believe the truth is it's actually run out of Mormon headquarters in America. And if that's the case, it would be illegal in Australia. I sent in another link that gives you the LDS charities. They have a bunch of arms. Yeah, I don't think we should call them charities. They need a new name. We should make up a name for what these <laughs> things are. Fakeries. Shell entities. Building fund. Attorney slush fund. Who then is the loser? The loser is the Australian government and the Australian people. Yes, I'm the loser. <laughs> this is a settlement slush fund. All this money is going to go to all the lawsuits. <laughs> Yay! Step right up, start your seat. Maybe then the victims will get the money. No, they'll hide it before then. It'll be in like Nigeria by this time next year. <laughs> they'll announce a new temple and they'll be like, we're going to start business in this offshore account. Neville lodged a complaint with Australia's charities regulator. However, neither the regulator nor the tax office will say whether they are investigating the church because of privacy laws. They're acting like a big corporation. Not acting like it. They, well, they are. are it. That's not what the church is meant to be. It was very hard to reconcile that. It's just chalk and cheese. Yeah, I like that expression. <laughs> I love that, like chalk and cheese. Oh. Our six-month investigation has exposed alleged tax avoidance, not just in Australia, but in the United States as well. There, the church has been funneling donations into a $100 billion slush fund. Controversially, has tax-free status because the Mormons claim it was set up for religious, charitable, or educational purposes. <laughs> that's hard to believe when you see how the money is really spent. Buying shares in tech companies like Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon, as well as paying to build a glitzy shopping center in downtown Salt Lake City. It is a really, really good shopping center. Uh, I want to visit it one day. It's where Jesus will go to buy shoes when he comes to the temple. They have a river that runs through the middle of it that has actual trout in it and stuff, and you can buy food and feed them. Really? Oh, oh my God. God. I want to see it. That's where the prophet will take Jesus to lunch after the second <laughs> coming. He'll be like, let's go over here. There's some fish you can feed. And why teach a man to fish when you can buy a whole mall, put yeah. a fake river through it, and put the fish in the fake river? So Jesus, right. like, you were doing it wrong when you wanted to teach a man to fish. Like, dude, just get yourself a shopping mall with a trout stream. I'll go to Chick-fil-A after that. <laughs> <laughs> with prominent Mormon and one-time bishop Mitt Romney saying, I'm happy that they've not only saved for a rainy day, but for a rainy decade. 
I'm happy that they not only say for a rainy day. <laughs> yeah, that was the fakiest fake accent I've ever seen. He's a freaking New England patrician. That guy is creepy as fuck. Yeah. Yes, Australians don't know how to do American accents. I'm sorry. I apologize for us all. Now here's the part where they screw the government minister for about two minutes. Oh, yeah. I don't like the look of his face either. He looks like a weasel. I know he does. It's those narrow teeth and narrow eyes and big ears and (laughs) nervous look. I tried not to be judgmental while looking at him, but I just couldn't help but feeling this guy is weaseling. I mean, if I had to draw a picture of him, I mean, I would probably make him look like a little weasel. Right. Andrew Lee is the Assistant Minister for Charities. When he was in opposition earlier this year, he demanded the tax office immediately investigate allegations the Mormons were dodging tax. But now that he's in government and has the power to do something about it, all of a sudden, he's pulling his punches. So this fellow must be the left-wing party if he's now in government. When I listen to everything he says, it is diplomatic. It's very diplomatic. He can't sit there and say, yeah, those fucking Mormons, like, God, we're going to screw them over. Just wait till the lawsuits start. I just wish he gave more promise about working on it. We'll look into it. Yeah. See, the reason they don't is because if ever there's a litigation involved, somebody will say, look how biased they were. They had already made a decision that they were going to find somebody guilty. Right. Especially is the government representative. Yeah, I mean, so I shouldn't be making fun of him because he is doing the right job. It takes a special kind of person to have to be a professional weasel, doesn't it? And I could not do it. My facial expressions, I can't. It's very difficult for me to not put on the sarcastic eye roll. (laughs) Yeah. Trevor and Sue Given, they've joined hundreds of other former Mormons in a class action against the church. I mean, I'll be just very straightforward. I want my tithing money back. I'm not sure which class action they're talking about. I've heard of it. It's in Utah. It's not going anywhere, but Mm. it's in Utah. I mean, there's James Huntsman, but it's not class action. And then there's Laura Gaddy, but that's not class action yet. The laws about religion and tithing in America are such that you'll probably never get your tithing back. That's right. You're never going to get it back. But then again, that's partly on you for giving it in the first place. you got to take some responsibility for your life, right? Well, I also think there's an element of buyer beware, which is a big part of our culture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's really the dual responsibility unless they can prove absolute fraud instead of feeling like they've been duped. Like that they're cheating on their taxes or something. Yeah, and if the money's already spent, yeah, which could be... Spend on Apple stock. Right. I just think that's so ironic because Tim Cook, raving homosexual, and they're investing in him. That's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> there are two losses that you can look up. Jane's Huntsman case is in California, and he is uh, suing for tithing, and his lawsuit is based on the 2019 whistleblower about the Insign Peak advisors. And then there is Laura Gaddy case in North Carolina, I believe. The attorney is Kate Burningham. When I was in law school, there's not a lot of cases I remember that we covered about religion, but I very specifically remember one that I think is kind of like similar to what I'm seeing here. A Jehovah's Witness suing her con congregation for shunning her. And so she sued for all kinds of different things. But the court basically said, look, this is a religious issue. Unless they are committing a completely separate crime of like attacking you physically in the street, nobody has to talk to you. That's a religious issue. There is no cause of action that you can pursue. Yeah. A lot of religions don't necessarily tell a blatant lie like Joseph Smith did about the Book of Mormon being buried, you know, the golden plates. Like 
I don't know what the person in California is claiming, but if they plead it correctly, very strictly under just fraud. If it's because of theology, then you're done. Yeah, they will not discuss theology. So it has to be like a separate crime of very clear fraud to get it past the pleading stage in California, because if they do, then a jury in California could do anything. California has got some crazy jury pools here. You have no idea what they're going to do. I've seen everything. RFM did an interview with Kate Birmingham. I'll have to listen to that because I'm really curious about the litigation strategy to get past certain hurdles. You can sue anybody for anything in America, anything. The judge might throw it out immediately because you don't have a proper cause of action, but you can still file it. You can show up in court and give your paper to the clerk and your hundred bucks and... You've got a lawsuit. Congratulations. Welcome to America. I mean, I think you have to have been involved in a lawsuit in America in order to be considered American to some extent. I have not been. Thank you. <laughs> James Huntsman's case in California, I think it was thrown out pretty quickly and he appealed. It's in the appeal stage. Uh, okay. The Laura Gaddy's case is more interesting because it's been hanging in. Mm. Uh, I think Huntsman's approach is primarily the IRS whistleblower complaint of these apostles, Hinckley or whoever, or Monson, or how about Holland, I think, said not even a red cent was spent on anything commercial or on the City Creek Mall. I think James Huntsman is focusing on the fact that they didn't tell the truth about where the money was going. Yeah. There's a whole different area of laws involved when somebody is saying, hey, I found out that this company or this religion is cheating the IRS for a ton of money. I'm a whistleblower. I want my reward. And then there's rules about how much money that they can get for having reported the cheating because then the IRS can go take the money from the Mormon church and give the whistleblower a portion of it. Thus, encouraging people to go to the IRS and snitch. (laughs) It's a smart way to do it. But those are different areas of law that I'm not familiar with, so I'll have to check it out. I mean, I really hope because I think there's a lot of churches doing a lot of bad things with people's money right now and nobody's mm-hmm. enforcing it. Mm. So, Gigi, you said that religion is hard to nail in the U.S. because we're not going to touch deeply held beliefs because there's no way for a court. But the sincerity of those beliefs, uh-huh. that's what Laura Getty's case is still hanging on, that the belief by the apostles is not sincerely held. Oh, okay. Yeah, because if you're lying about something very provable, it can't necessarily be a deeply held belief, can it? Yeah. Interesting. Like, there's a way around it, maybe. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Laura Getty's case, if it's going to get traction, it may become class action at some point, but it hasn't. Yeah. So I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard of a class action in existence. I mean, I don't know if there's been a big reaction to this in Australia, given that Mormons are not that prevalent out there. No. But I'm wondering if there will be follow-up regarding like any investigation or the Mormon church's reaction. We'll have to keep our eyes and ears peeled. This is a lot of money. A number of Australians have been giving for a long time. And as they said, who's being harmed? The Australian people and the Australian government because frankly you're getting less services from your government or your government is raising your taxes because somebody else isn't paying their share. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some outrage that we're going to see in the news because this story has been developing for about a year now because we've been talking about this on the pod as the news stories have popped up. Yeah. 
Something's happening, I think. Oh, good. There was an article at the Salt Lake Tribune about it this morning. Oh. Nice. The religion writer was basically saying she'd watched Australian 60 Minutes and said the music was way off and there shouldn't have been a single missionary. But <laughs> if the story is true, then it's not a very good look. No. I think it's hilarious that that's the first thing I noticed as well was the music. Like as someone who's like really in that culture and you see something that's so off. Glaringly off. Yeah, because the culture is very consistent. Yeah. The Mormons created modern farmhouse design. And if you don't know what that is, really lucky that you don't know what that is. Is that a design where there's a lot of young women in it for one man? <laughs> no, it's where you walk into a home and it's all like words like that say live, laugh, love, written oh, in script. Okay. <laughs> or you walk into the kitchen and there's a butter dish that says butter. Oh, you're shitting me. And everything is either white, oh. off-white, or black script instructing you that this is where we love thankfulness. <laughs> and just random words. You must the house, love like, or else. <laughs> gather. Laundry. Bubbles. Like, I mean, you must know what I'm talking about. Okay, that is the hell. That is the culture that was created in and around Utah about 13 and a half years ago. 13 and a half years ago. That's very specific, JG. What's that about? I'm very precise when it comes to cultural trends like this. Of course. Uh, and I find that the more specific I am with my elaborate life, the more people believe them. That's what's making you such a good attorney, isn't <laughs> it? Specifics. Yes. Two truths and a lie. Right. <laughs> but the truth is, is that Mormons have a very specific culture and it includes very specific music, very specific underwear and very specific types <laughs> of clothing. And the women look a certain way. But it's true though, because when you're in uh -huh. a cult, it's best that you conform. Okay. And when you don't, because either you don't fit into that mold, it's best you get out. Out of the underwear. The Mormons really fight the label cult, okay? And I did too when I was Mormon. I didn't like the connotations, but then I looked it up in the dictionary, you know, and I had to concede to some extent that, well, then all religions are cults. That's kind of mm -hmm. how I bridged that gap. And then when I got out and I started noticing the difference. Q. Divchina talking about Mormonism. It's not a Christian faith. It doesn't follow any of the tenets of Christianity, <laughs> any of the councils, the monotheism. Yes. Elohim is an exalted human. The divinity of Christ. Mormonism doesn't agree with. What Christian churches agree is Christianity. <laughs> and that's fine. Like, own it. You know? Right. <laughs> As a Mormon, I still felt like we worshipped Christ. But I would agree to some extent that when you look at the technicalities of, is it a trinity or is it not? Like, <sighs> I think that Joseph Smith wasn't quite 100% sure about that either. So we just <laughs> believed in Jesus Christ. We believed that he did come back to life. A couple of times. Jesus Christ, though, is also evident in Islam, which doesn't make them Christians. Jesus Christ is also evident in Judaism, which doesn't make them Christian. But I think that if you think you're Christian, then you get to be Christian, because it's that kind of a religion. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. Like, it's not a council of Nicaea Christianity. There you go. If you think you're a woman, you're a woman. You can't just walk around and consider yourself Mormon. You gotta wear the underwear. The, well, as long as you've gone through the temple on certain things. But yeah, there are parameters. Yes. Very strict. It seems to me that like the central argument in Australia is really kind of a technical legal question. Does this comply with Australian law? If it really is the volunteers directing it and they really
really are using it for charity, then maybe the law is stupid, but they're following the law. The other thing that I'd be really interested to know, which nobody's ever talked about, is like, to what degree did anybody try to verify that charitable giving was actually happening? All right. I wonder if people would feel differently about it if they said, well, yeah, technically Salt Lake City is directing it, but they really are putting wells in Nigeria and they're really giving money to homeless shelters in Sydney or whatever. When they never really talked about was the money actually being used, like they kind of sort of suggested it's really going to Salt Lake City to build malls, mm. but I don't think they actually established that. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Brother Ben. And I don't know that they really have any way to know that. Maybe that's what needs to be investigated. Right. I think it's interesting how this was a cooperation between Canada and Australia, <laughs> media organizations, which came out relatively at the same time with this big punch. And I don't think it could happen in the U.S. because I think we have too many people that are dedicated to the Mormon church that have higher roles in our government. Oh. And the Mormon church has ownership of media and marketing companies. So I think the way to do some exposure is do it outside of the United States. I am interested to see if we're going to be hearing then more coming out of countries like Mexico. Brazil. Perhaps they don't have as much money coming in as the more wealthy countries like Canada or Australia, but they do have a Mormon population and what is happening with that hard-earned tithing money, even if it's not as much in value, it's still 10% of people's livelihoods. Kudos to you and Australia for not letting people take tax deductions for donations to churches. <laughs> I wish everyone did that. Yeah. Like the fact they found a loophole is what it is and that's not awesome, but the fact that they had to find a loophole instead of just saying, we're a church and getting away with it. I thought yeah. that was interesting too. It's pretty awesome and very much in favor of that. At least they made them do a two-step. Yeah. In America, they're like, oh, you're a church? Here, take all the taxes that you want. And potentially they have like a legal obligation to actually use it for charity. Mm -hmm. And they can get in trouble if they're caught not doing that, where not only we not make you prove anything to get your tax deduction, we don't care what you use the money for either. Yeah. Unless you're like literally buying campaign ads for a political party or something. Charity is such an amorphous idea that people sleep on the benches at this really fancy mall when they're homeless. That's charity. <laughs> no, they don't though. They move them on, do they? <laughs> they definitely are not letting them sleep on the benches. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Now, Brother Ben and Gigi, I have a question for you. When I think about the missionary experience, is there also part of the thought that this is someone who's going out into the world as a do-gooder? It depends on the mission. I went on one, it was a long time ago, and we didn't do any charity work of any kind. But more recently, that's become a bigger point of emphasis. And some missions are purely charity, like they're purely going and building schools in poor countries or water systems or digging wells and stuff like that. So I think they know that they might not be baptizing so many people, so they might as well go out there and make a good name for themselves. But it's really not a focus for the 18-year-old boy that are doing it in America, at least. It's mostly about proselytizing here, but the amount of money that the church spends on direct, like, food for starving people is an extraordinarily large amount of money, except in comparison to how much money they have. And then you're like, 
Well, that's less amazing. (laughs) I was watching a clip on TikTok the other day because there's so many people that mash together what the prophets have said in the past. And I love this. It makes it so easy to watch. (laughs) There's a prophet saying something to the extent of like, if you can't feed your family, give tithing first. The bishop will feed you. So if I give you my 10% of money and instead of buying chicken for my children, you come back with a bag of frozen peas and beef stew who has won in that exchange? Well, not the cow. Uh, <laughs> but I'm giving you probably at least $100 a week, maybe, or maybe $80 a week. Maybe I could do better by not giving my money to the bishop. So much of it comes down to how the local church authorities view what their job is. Like, there are some out there that would just be like, I haven't seen you in church in two weeks, so no tuna for you. And there would be others who would say, like, I've never seen you before, but I can tell you're hungry. Here's a voucher. Right. Bishop roulette. How do you audit? at that. So uh, we kind of don't in America. We absolutely don't. Here's the thing too. I don't think 60 Minutes has audited. And I don't think most of the stories we've read about this have done proper auditing. We don't really get proper figures. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they have access to beyond the websites that we just saw. And I don't know who would have access to that. Maybe just the regulators. Right. I don't know if they are digging wells or just building big temples in Rome where nobody should have a Mormon temple ever. Yeah a temple to every other god. Why should Italy miss that, JJ? Uh, Don't you like the Italians? The temple building thing is just propaganda. You know the phrase ugly Americans or loud Americans? No, I have no idea what you're talking about, JJ. You're a loud American, JJ. I mean, I am two of those things some days. I am shocked that more churches in Australia haven't done this. Can you imagine how well Ken Ham's Creation Museum would be doing in Ken Kentucky, if you thought of this, this is why Mormons are the smartest. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night. I guess this is my new normal. <laughs>